0: Hello and welcome to The Mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, trying to get you guys through this quarantine mess with some form of entertainment. And if you're new to the esports scene, welcome. I will be your humble guide through this madness that we like to watch. Anyway, jumping straight into it first with League of Legends. It is LCS Spring Playoffs time and... Big announcement dropped yesterday that the remain the semifinals or the quarterfinals through to the end of LCS Spring Finals will be broadcast on ESPN 2. So hey, that's a that's a win for esports. I mean, I don't know how many people are necessarily gonna watch on ESPN 2. I think a lot of league fans prefer Twitch. I I certainly prefer Twitch because. If we're being honest, the commercials on ESPN2 are probably going to be god-awful because, I don't know if you've been around ESPN lately, but it's kind of sad. They have nothing, so they have to charge really low prices for commercials, so they're getting really low-budget commercials. And it ain't pretty. So, I'd I'd rather watch on Twitch where we just get silver scrapes in between games and... I mean, it's going to be funny because you are probably going to get some some really angry boomers on Twitter that are mad that League of Legends is on ESPN2 despite there being no regular sports content out there really anywhere in the world other than like Aussie Rules football which is not very Eastern Time friendly. Cuz uh that time difference that time difference is a doozy. But that's a big thing. The the remainder of the LCS spring playoffs are going to be on ESPN 2. So more people will be able to hear Captain Flowers ridiculous commentary. He, he had some doozies in the, the hundred thieves TSM game. Like he was, he was on fire for that one. It was, it was pretty good. And when those two teams were basically memeing as hard as they were in that series, that, that series was a mess. I don't know what the heck happened there. 100 Thieves was up 2-1. to one, Or, they were tied, and... Game 3 could have gone either way. And TSM basically just handed them the game. They made a horrendous misplay. 100 Thieves was able to take a really easy teamfight, then go take Baron uncontested. And that really allowed them to, to win the game. And... They had all the momentum. They were up 2-1. They only needed to win one more game. Well, TSM come back and they win game four and game five. On and the way game five ended, like, it kind of just came out of nowhere. It, it's definitely one of the weirder endings I've seen to a League of Legends game, especially in North America. That's that's more the kind of get it ending you get from the LPL rather than rather than LCS. But nonetheless, TSM got the win because hundred thieves choked, and I don't think TSM has much more gas in them because they even a hundred thieves team who threw the game to them, they still barely scraped by, and I don't think they stand a chance against FlyQuest. Like they've gotten dominated by FlyQuest multiple times this season. <laughs> I don't think they stand a chance against those guys. Like, FlyQuest are better than 100 Thieves. And TSM had trouble with them. So, I think... I think FlyQuest is going to be able to take it to TSM pretty easy. And and FlyQuest just stomped Golden Guardians in their, in their Loser's Bracket matchup. Like, there was... I kind of expected that. Golden Guardians have been near the bottom of the standings all year. They were maybe one of the lowest seeds in the playoffs. They had to start in the loser's bracket. So one loss and see ya, because you don't get double elimination. You have to finish higher than that. You have to finish top four. They were like last team in the playoffs, and they just got totally stomped by FlyQuest. And then same thing with... I think you're going to get a very similar result from Cloud9 versus EG in quarterfinals just because like you're you're going to get a very similar result. Like EG have been good, but they haven't been good enough to beat Cloud9. <laughs> like Cloud9 is going to stomp all over EG. And then they're going to stomp all over whoever they end up meeting in the finals. Like they're they have it. They have such an easy path to the spring championship. Like it's ridiculous how insanely easy this is for cloud nine. Like, they are far and away the best team in N.A. And I feel kind of bad for these other teams because they had relatively good seasons, but N.A.'s kind of shocking level of mediocrity is going to make what's left of the playoffs a little less interesting, because I think Cloud9's going to stomp Evil Geniuses and FlyQuest is probably going to stomp TSM. And then in the semis, you'll you'll get a decent matchup between, I guess, it'll probably be the winner of the loser's bracket and the loser in the other quarterfinals match. So, yeah, like, FlyQuest and EG might give you a good game, but then whoever wins that to play C9 in the finals is probably going to lose. More than likely, the PLCS spring playoffs are kind of a formality at this point, and it sucks, because... After, right around this point last year, a little after this point last year, we were coming off of MSI where the final was Team Liquid versus G2, like, and Team Liquid beat the reigning world champions, IG, to get to the MSI finals. NA was riding high. They kind of got stopped by G2, but G2 was a super team last year. This year, not so much. We all, all three of North America's teams bombed out at Worlds, and then the Domestic League has been shockingly mediocre for most of the spring split. And one of the star players said openly that he didn't care about spring split. And his, and he got benched, and his team missed the playoffs. So, hasn't been a great spring for NA, other than Cloud9. And I am 100% okay with them being North America's rep at MSI this year, if it happens. I mean, I'm still working under the assumption we are going to have an MSI. It may look a little different than it normally does, but I am still operating under the assumption MSI will happen this year. They delayed it far enough. I think, I think like middle of July is the date riots set. I feel like that is enough of a delay that you could throw together some kind of tournament where at least the major regions are involved and maybe like the top tier wildcard regions, like like Oceania, Turkey, maybe Brazil. I and mean, that's pretty much everybody, but yeah, there's there'd be what, like eight teams who would, who would go to that thing. LCS, LEC, LCK, LPL, Turkey, Brazil, rest of Latin America, and Oceania. And Japan. That's nine teams. That's nine or, oh, Turkey, ten. That's that's nine or ten teams that would qualify for the midseason Invitational. That's not a whole lot. Like, you could figure something out to have an MSI this year. Because last year's MSI was really good, as was last year's MSI theme track. Like, Bring Home the Glory is so good. Bring Home the Glory is one of my favorite League songs from last year. And 2019 had a long, long list of bangers when it came to League songs. Like, Awaken was really good. Bring Home the Glory was really good. Phoenix was really good. Giants was amazing. Like, League music killed it last year. So I'm hoping they can follow that up this year. And so far they've done pretty good. That that remix of Warriors they did for the season 10 cinematic, that was pretty good. I'm hoping MSI is as good as Bring Home the Glory, maybe a little better. And then Worlds, they they always answer the bell on Worlds. But yeah, as far as as far as the actual games that are happening this weekend go between Cloud 9 and EG and TSM and FlyQuest, Cloud 9 wins FlyQuest takes a 3-1 over TSM and then and then from there we'll see I think it's going to be I mean, let's be real here Cloud9 winning the Spring Split is a foregone conclusion you guys don't need me to tell you that if you know anything about the LCS this year, like Cloud9 is going to win the whole thing The main thing I noticed this week is from 100 Thieves. I don't think Ryoma's the guy in mid lane. That was a signing I was intrigued by before the season started, but he does not seem like the answer long term in the mid lane for 100 Thieves. And I think they might know that too. That's why they're working so hard to develop North American talent, because I don't think they want to keep Ryoma in mid lane long term. He's... He is an Oceana mid laner and Oceana is a step below NA. So really, unless he, I mean, I know he's got to get used to NA unless he has a really good, a really good summer split. I don't know if he's going to be the guy long-term for hundred thieves. Cause I think the rest of that team is pretty good, but Ryoma makes a lot of questionable decisions in the lane and in team fights like he's just something seems like it's not the right fit because that team is wildly inconsistent. And it's usually him. Like he's usually the one responsible. So it's going to be interesting. I think eventually they will make a change because like I said, they are working so hard to develop homegrown talent. Compared to a lot of the other orgs. I know Team Liquid's getting involved. But 100 Thieves is definitely a step ahead. And Papa Smithy, I have sung his praises many times on this show before. Guy is a smart GM. I think he is always looking for better options if they're available. And, like, get on the 100 Thieves bandwagon, guys. Because, really they're they're going to be something this year just wasn't their year they could very well have a good summer split and qualify for worlds I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened they'd probably be the in three seed but they could qualify for worlds this year they just have to kind of get it together and Ryoma really needs to get it together down mid because their bot lane is good, their top lane is good, their jungle is decent. So, once they kind of figure everything out, they will be a good team. I am I am not coming off that hill just yet. They need to they need to suck more for me to turn on them. They have made some disappointing they have turned in some disappointing results, don't get me wrong. But I haven't turned on them yet. They have to really bomb out of the summer split for me to say, okay, time to make some changes or big changes. Like if they, if they can deal with the consistency issues, they definitely have. They'll be fine. Come summer. They'll be totally fine. Come summer split. And they have, they have some time to work on it because the summer splits probably going to be delayed because of MSI getting pushed back. Like summer splits probably going to de- be delayed until like late August, maybe even like summer splits going to be delayed a little while, which means worlds might get pushed back, which I really don't want to happen. Cause I like that, uh that right around daylight savings time thing. That's that, that's a great spot for worlds. Cause it's, it's kind of right at that crossover point of college football and college basketball where college football kind of dips a little bit and college basketball hasn't really gotten going. And it gives you something really good to watch on a Saturday at ridiculously early in the morning the past couple of years, just because of because of time difference stuff. And same thing with this year. It's going to be uh, it's going to be in China this year. So. Yeah, get ready for that. Uh, get ready for that 12 hour time difference. You're ready to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to get ready to watch Worlds. Eh, we got months. We got months to prepare for that. But I I think I'm going to enjoy these two matchups this weekend just because Cloud9 is just going to win in an absolute dominant fashion. And TSM and FlyQuest should actually be pretty good. And then the games next weekend will be even better because... Cloud9's just getting close to that kind of inevitable spring championship. But we'll see. I could be totally wrong, but I'm pretty confident in these predictions. But that's what I've got for League of Legends. Up next, because there's nothing else, we're sticking with esports. And I'm going to break down the, the entire weekend of Call of Duty League coming up. It actually starts, as you're listening to this, tonight. So, we'll get into that up next here on the mashup. All right, now that we're done with league, time to move it over to one of the other major eSports that's still going right now. the Call of Duty League. Oh, thank God they're back. I actually really miss them. They even before all this, they didn't play every weeks. So there were multiple weeks where it's like, oh, we don't have them. That kind of sucks, but they'll be back in like a week. When they were gone for a while. I felt the absence and now they are back and they are putting on a pretty good schedule this weekend. There's a couple eh, teams that are featuring in the quote unquote Dallas events, but because you got LAG, you got Toronto and you got Seattle and Seattle's okay. They have their moments, but Toronto and Los Angeles Gorillas are terrible. They are both truly awful. And I don't see an end in sight for the two of them not sucking. They have been really bad all season long. And if Pristini comes back for Florida, if Pristini is back, Toronto is going to get stomped. Los Angeles is going to get stomped by Dallas anyway. Like no matter what they're, they're defending champions coming off the last event. And now they get to play one of the worst teams in the league in their quote unquote home event. That's going to be ugly, but that seems like a trend for call of duty league scheduling. Even though they made the entire schedule before the season started You always get, it seems like you always get three of the really good teams and a couple of the really bad teams at every single event. Like the past two have had some combination of Chicago, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Dallas. And same thing with Chicago. Like Chicago follows that pattern because Chicago, Dallas, and Atlanta. Florida follows that pattern. Atlanta, Atlanta, Florida, Minnesota. So that one's not dead on. But Atlanta and Minnesota are both there. Chicago, Minnesota. Yeah, there's always at least two. At like every event. Minnesota's weekend has all four of them. Good God. I'm really mad at Corona now. Because this Minnesota weekend would have been absolutely insane. With that Minnesota crowd and you have the four best teams all at that same event. Oh boy. But we're talking about Dallas. And overall, I think this is a pretty good set. And I kind of like that they're, I mentioned this on the Tuesday show. I kind of like that they're doing Friday afternoon into night games. Like The first game is at four o'clock. I mean, that's Seattle and Paris. That's not an amazing game, but you don't have games taking up all day Saturday. Like the first game on Saturday doesn't start at 1130 in the morning with the last game at 1030 at night. You, you don't have that. So I, I kind of like this new setup. I'm disappointed. They're not going to have home crowds for the rest of the season, but at least they're doing something. And Next year, when they have home crowds again, oh, man, they're going to be hype. Like, could you imagine their return to Minnesota? Because Minnesota, like I've said before, got a bad rap off a launch weekend. Like, I have seen videos of the watch parties on Twitter for Minnesota Rocker matches. They are absolutely insane. Like I said on the Tuesday show, I really want to go to one. But as far as as far as these actual games go, like game by game, Seattle is going to beat Paris. Florida is going to beat press or uh, Toronto if they have Pristini even more so with or without him. They win. I think they have more of a challenge with Dallas if they don't have him. If they have him, they'll be able to hang with Dallas. I don't know if they'll win, but they'll be able to hang. That's seven o'clock match though. Chicago and Minnesota is one of the first matches, the first three matches of the weekend. Yes, sign me up for that because that's going to be so good. Like that's two of the best teams in the league throwing down again off of Minnesota's big upset of Atlanta at LA. They've already beaten Atlanta. I don't think they're afraid of Chicago at all. I mean, I wouldn't be Atlanta beat Chicago. Like I wouldn't be afraid of Chicago when I've already beaten phase. Like not at all. And then the last game is Dallas empire versus Los Angeles gorillas. That one is so easily in favor of Dallas empire. If gorillas win that, I'm going to be shocked. Like, I don't see a way for possibly the worst team in the league to win that series. I just don't. I don't really see any way for Dallas to lose that. Unless they just completely forget how to play and just throw the series somehow, they are not losing to LA Gorillas. They're just not. And... I mean, overall, it's going to, it's going to, I mean, let's be real here. It's probably going to come down to the top three again. Like it's going to be Dallas, Chicago, and Minnesota is who this weekend is really contended between Paris may make some noise if they like get really lucky against, uh, against Chicago, but. They've kind of slipped off since that big performance in London. They've they've slipped off a lot since then. And Seattle, same thing. They've had their moments, but I don't know. I don't necessarily trust them. They've shown a pretty consistent ability to choke in Game 5. Like, over and over and over and over again. So, I don't really know that much with them either. Toronto just sucks. Like, they're going to be... They're going to be 0-2 and they're going to be out. Like, they're going to lose to Florida and then, oh God, (laughs) that Group A, that Group A losers match, that highly likely Group A losers match, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be Uprising versus Outlaws levels of, I need to watch this just for the pure levels of Suck. Like, there's going to be so much sucking going on. Like, two just god-awful teams playing each other in what I believe is going to be the Group A Losers match. The Group A Winners match should be really good. <laughs> if if my predictions hold that Dallas and Florida win the first Group A matches, like, that Group A Winners match is going to be insane. Dallas versus Florida, yeah, give me that. That Even without Pristini, that should still be good. With him, it's really good. I don't know if they're going to have him. I I haven't heard anything yet. But I, I hope he's back because Florida is way more fun to watch with him than without him. I mean, L.A. proved that where he wasn't playing. He Like I said, he didn't play in the exhibitions over the weekend, so who knows where he's really at. And then Chicago, they had a not so great performance their their last time out. Like even in the matches they won in Atlanta, they looked shaky. Like there was something off about them, even though they made it all the way to the semis. Like they looked really off the entire weekend, and then it finally all came crashing down when they lost to Minnesota. So this is kind of their they took they took the l a event off they weren't playing there. so this is their chance to come back and redeem themselves i'd I'd be one hundred percent okay with a Chicago Dallas final that'd be that'd be really fun like any Chicago Dallas matchup this weekend I am 100 okay with whenever it ends up happening and like despite a couple crappy teams that are going to be there like there are some really promising matchups set for set for this weekend it's it's going to be good and it's it's a good return to form for uh for call of duty league i mean it It just sucks that they, that they can't play in front of a home crowd for the rest of the season. Like that's, that's the worst part of this because Overwatch League has had a couple years of playing to a crowd before all the homestands got screwed up. COD League, this is its first season and the, how many, four events they've had so far have all been really good. So I think that's enough to build on for next year when they can have crowds in the building watching these matches again. It's just a matter of getting there and keeping interest in the league despite the lack of live spectators to be able to draw good crowds next year. I'm hoping that happens. I think it will. It's call of duty. It's gonna generate interest, no matter what. That's just that's just what this game does. It's one of the most popular games in the world, and it's maybe the most popular eSport in North America. So I think they'll be fine. I just hate that they don't have live crowds for the rest of the season. they've I'm glad they figured this out though it It took them a little bit longer than Overwatch League did, but that's probably from the issue of them playing on console rather than PC like Overwatch League does. It's probably way harder to set that up. But I'm glad they're back, and I'm definitely going to be enjoying the matches this weekend because there's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. Despite, like I said, the... (laughs) I mean, even the, even the bad teams playing each other has a certain level of entertainment value. Like for fans who watch Overwatch League, that Boston-Houston match from like a month and a half ago, it feels like, where somehow they needed seven games. You only need to win three. These two teams needed seven games for one of them to win a third time. That is a special level of awful. I think we might get something similar from Los Angeles playing Toronto. You're going to get a special level of entertainment of just pure, terrible call of duty. And there's no tanking. So it's still going to be them trying their hardest. It's going to be gold. It's going to be comedy gold. If, if that highly likely losers match happens, Oh boy, that's going to be fun. But That's it for Call of Duty League. Up next, we're going to Big Brother, Little Brother, I don't really know what to call them, but the Overwatch League. That's up next here on the mashup. All right, welcome back into the mashup. Wrapped up COD League. Time to move on to Overwatch League. And I have to say it's a pretty interesting schedule this weekend because... As has kind of been established, they're trying to cram as many of the Chinese teams into games as they possibly can because they missed the first like two months of the season. And they're just trying to jam as many of their games into weekends as they possibly can. But one of the other teams that kind of suffered, because really the entire Pacific Division did, is Vancouver. Vancouver is playing only Chinese teams this weekend. They're playing They're playing Guangzhou and they're playing Chongdu. And I just feel bad for Vancouver Titans fans who wanted to watch those games. I mean, I know you can watch the VODs and you can just stay off Twitter until you watch the VOD or just like mute the Titans Twitter account and all their hashtags and everything. And, but still, I, I feel like I would kind of want to watch those games live. And Vancouver time those matches are happening at 3 a.m. for the Saturday match and 1 a.m. for the Sunday match. That's really early to watch Overwatch League. That's really early in the morning to watch Overwatch. Like, 1 a.m., you can kind of stay up that late and then go to sleep as soon as it's over, but 3 a.m. is one of those weird times where if you stay up until then, you're going to be kind of struggling. Because... That's the other thing. The average Overwatch League match takes about an hour and a half. So that's at 4.30. That's a really hard time to go back to sleep. I know during quarantine, maybe it's a little easier, but, and I'm thinking Overwatch League fans probably have a lot of jobs that would allow them to work from home. But still, if they have to get up for work, like if they still have to start working at a certain time, that's going to be... Kind of rough. I mean, it's a weekend, so that that does help too. But that's just that's just a bad break for Vancouver. That like Overwatch leagues were always Overwatch League games were always supposed to be local time zone friendly for where the games are happening. And I mean, I guess that makes sense in this case. But that just that sucks for the Vancouver players. If they're currently in Vancouver and they have to wake up for a three o'clock start time for that game against Guangzhou, what is that going to do to their play? Because they're runner up from last year. They made it all the way to the finals and they hung tough against, against San Francisco. Like it was a shame that one of them had to lose because they were by far the two best teams last year. And what little they got to play this year, they looked really good. So I feel kind of bad for them that they have to play those just super early start times. Those super early start times for for their their games this weekend. That's that just seems kind of it just seems kind of unfair to them to make them do that. I mean, I get it. You want to have some variety of of competition, but still <laughs> Shouldn't they be playing like the California teams more than they should be playing the teams from the other side of an ocean, a very large ocean? Outside of them, there's some there's some good there's some good matches and good storylines lined up for this weekend because uh, Fusion are playing Paris Eternal. So far, the only team who has been able to beat them. And they get their shot at redemption in the first East Coast game on Saturday. And really, that's another one for that's not great for Paris. Like four in the afternoon Philly time is is what, like 10 at night, ten eleven at night Paris time. Like, that's not amazing either. That's that's kind of late. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I, I feel kind of bad for Paris on that one too, just cause that time difference is is about six hours. <laughs> it's like five or six hours. That's pretty rough. And I'll I'm interested in this one because it is a rematch of the fusion's only loss so far this season. And the the gold mine in the middle middle afternoon game on Saturday. Houston versus Boston yet again. The last time these two teams played, it was magic in all of the worst ways. I hope we get more of that. I really hope they tie two different maps again and we have to go to game seven. Just because that would be the funniest thing ever. That would be so funny. I don't think it'll happen again because that disaster of a game was probably once in a lifetime. Like I don't think two teams could play that poorly again. I mean, if anyone could do it, it's these two, but I don't think you're going to get something that amazing again. You may get six maps. You may get six maps as opposed to seven. You're, you're, we're more than likely going to get map five. I could 100% see this going to map five because it's two bad teams that aren't going to be able to put each other away. Like, this is a hundred percent going at least five, and I'd like to see map six just as a a callback to their previous meeting, where we all got to laugh at them and their incredible, incredible display of terrible Overwatch. Another one that's that's intriguing to me is Washington versus Dallas, and Like I and many other people who cover the Overwatch League have said, Washington is better than their record. They are better than their record shows. And they have a chance to prove it against Dallas, who just got their first win. Like, Dallas just got their first win this past weekend. And Washington have been struggling. Really, the whole season. They lost every game they played in front of their home crowd. That says something. And so far, the transition to online hasn't done much to help them. But this could be the chance they need to start to turn things around. I, I thought Houston had that when they played at home after that disaster against Boston. I think this could be a similar chance for the Justice because let's face it, the fuel are still not good. They beat Valiant. Sure. But Valiant was, was just off this, this meta doesn't that last meta did not favor them really at all. And I'm not sure what they can. I'm not sure if they were really prepared for the weirdness that was, uh, Torb Torb and, uh, Reaper from last weekend, I, I don't think they were at all prepared for that insane level of whatever the heck that was because they looked really caught off guard by it. I think this this pool where Sombra, Reaper, D.Va, and Honor are out might help them a little bit. I'm not 100% sure on that because you never really know with bad teams, especially teams you don't have much of a sample size of. But I think, I think Washington could do okay with what they have because, let's face it, they have May and McCree back and Corey and Stratus are very good on May and McCree. So we'll see what they can do against what is supposed to be an inferior opponent. I mean, Elevote doesn't have D.Va, so that may cause some problems for him. But I think he could just as easily play like an Orissa or a Sigma and do pretty well on that hero as well, but he's definitely a diva main. So that's going to, that's going to cause some problems for him. That may cause problems for Philly as well because Poco, while he's good on other heroes, he is also definitively a diva main. So we'll see what this really does to what teams are going to do. You're probably going to see a whole lot of bunker. You're probably going to see a whole lot of Reinhardt Orissa or Reinhardt Sigma. Not Reinhardt Sigma, Orissa Sigma. Like you're going to see double shield and you're probably going to see Baptiste and Brig or Baptiste and Mercy on supports and McCree May on DPS. Like that's, that's probably what you're going to see a whole lot of this weekend I mean, last week we got Torbjorn Reaper, so who knows? We could get something crazy. We could get Soldier again. I don't know. With McCree and May available, that's probably unlikely. But who knows With what Overwatch League players are going to come up with. Some of the other games. Houston is playing Toronto. That could be good. Toronto, same thing. They've been struggling in a lot of the same ways the Justice have. Like They're better than their record shows, but they just have been playing horribly. Like they've been playing their worst. I think this is the, the low end of what they're capable of nowhere near the potential they have with the talent on that roster. And same thing for Washington against Houston. Like this is a chance to, or Washington against uh, Dallas. Like this is a chance to maybe start to turn things around against a team. You probably should beat. Because Houston didn't have a great last outing. So I'll be interested to see what comes out of this one. I think... I think Toronto can win. But they've they've burned me on predictions so many times. I wouldn't at all be surprised if they lose. Because like Houston can pull good performances out of nowhere too. So I don't really know. I think... I think Toronto could, could take that one, but that one's a toss-up. The other two Sunday matchups, at least that are U.S. friendly as far as time goes, is Philly and Atlanta and San Francisco against Gladiators. Like, those should be really good. Philly versus Atlanta is an interesting battle of contrasting styles because Philly plays kind of aggressively and Atlanta... Doesn't like that's, that's an interesting battle of contrasting styles. I think, I think Philly may win this one because again, they're insanely deep and insanely versatile Atlanta. Not so much. Like they have one comp that they really like to run and that's what they stick to. I mean, they broke, they broke a more aggressive comp out last time and they did really well with it. So if they're going to continue with that, this should be really fun. If they're going to continue with that, uh, that tracer strat, they were running the last time out, that could be really interesting because Philly, Philly is better than the teams they ran that strat out on last time, but aggressive versus aggressive teams is really fun to watch because it's just pure chaos. If you have one team diving into just a big bunker, like that's, that's fun. It's the battle of contrasting styles, but two teams that play a really aggro style going up against each other. That's really fun. That's really good. That's, that's much, much, much better than, uh, than the opposite of uh, similar styles going at it Two two bunker heavy teams. That's boring. Give me give me aggro on aggro, and you might get a lot of that from San Francisco versus the Gladiators too. Like that's a sneaky, really good matchup. I'm I'm actually really excited for that one. That's it, the eight o'clock game on Sunday. That that could be really really good because Gladiators have been on a bit of a tear recently. Like I know they lost to Soul, but Sh- Shock didn't have. A great performance there. Uh, their last, although their last time out, they got the win against Valiant. That was their redemption. But before that, they weren't looking great. So they kind of need to still prove themselves because they've been a little shaky this year. I think they're still one of the better teams in the league, and they should win. But Gladiators could play. Really well too, and get the win. Like Big Goose and Shaz are so good, and they can both play heroes other than Ana. Like they'll be fine. I'm I'm definitely, and they didn't really run all that many Diva comps, so Diva being out doesn't hurt them in the slightest. So yeah, I'm I'm all for that matchup. That's gonna be. Really, really, really fun. The last two matches on Sunday should both be really good. I think Philly wins and I think, you know, what? I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to give that one to the Gladiators just because I think they can pull off that win because Shock have been kind of shaky just overall this season. Good slate of Overwatch, Overwatch League this weekend. They They don't have schedules the rest of the way. So, uh, they, they kind of just, they just kind of release the schedules as they go. I'm sure they're made, but still I'm, they definitely did a good job with this one because there, there's some intriguing matchups here. Like Vancouver and Chongdu, that's another one where it's two real, really aggressive teams playing each other. If that wasn't so early in the morning, I would definitely make it a point to watch that one, but that. That 4 a.m. start time is rough. I I might I might watch the vod. I might watch the vod on that one though, and that's going to be really 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 good. Like yeah, that's that's going to be a fun one. Anyway, that's what I've got for Overwatch League up next. I got access to the Beta boys. I'm going to be talking about what I thought of Valorant. That's up next here on the mashup. Alright, welcome back to the mashup. And I couldn't believe it when it happened, but I got access to the Valorant beta. Oh my god, I was hyped when it happened. I downloaded it immediately and I immediately started playing. And I have to say, I really love this game. I'm not normally a fan of csgo style games i really am not a huge fan of csgo i'm really bad at it and i find csgo kind of boring valorant does not do that i a lot of people have complained about the art style i actually love it i think it looks really really good the characters are interesting their their kits are really good they're varied enough. I mean sure everyone has their their smoke grenades, grenades. They they have their smokes that they deploy in various ways. Everyone uses the same guns obviously. But I really have enjoyed my time with it so far. Like Riot nailed this game. I mean, they they picked up basically the entire old CSGO 1.6 dev team. So, and and then mixed it with some of their own people to make it riotified. And, yeah, they just, like, top to bottom, they have absolutely nailed this game. Like, since since Tuesday, when the beta officially opened, and I know a lot of these numbers are for people trying to get drops, but it has barely... Dipped below a million viewers during peak hours. Like it got as high as 1.7 on Tuesday, 1.7 million concurrent viewers on Twitch out of 4 million concurrent views on the entire platform. Twitch was blowing up on Tuesday and uh, most of it was riot (laughs) because league of legends was doing really well that day too with LCS playoffs but, like, I am so enjoying this game. I have one big problem with it, and that is the map Split. Split is awful. It's the new map they added with the launch of the beta on Tuesday. The The alpha that we got to see last weekend on, on Friday only had two maps. It had Bind and Haven, and I really like both of those maps. I really like Bind. They, You can have some fun with those teleporters, and chucking grenades into them and the teleporter giving them a little extra oomph and opening the door for them tells you that Riot knew people would think of this, and they took that into account, which I think is great. I think that involves rewarding creativity on with your abilities, and that's definitely a big thing in League as well. And I'm glad they brought that over into their crack at the first-person shooter genre. Because, like, this game is so much fun. Like, even when I'm playing poorly, and I have had some really bad games, one of the reasons I really hate Split was a particularly bad game where I went, like, 0-17. So, uh that's proof right there I'm I'm not going pro in this game anytime soon but I, I'm gonna be playing a whole lot of it I I had a whole lot of fun with this game so far I've only played uh the duelist agents in real games like I've played I've played jet in a single real game and I've played with her a lot in the practice range and I've played with Phoenix in real games and Phoenix is really fun. I really like Phoenix like his his curveball those flashes those are those are really satisfying now that I've really started to get the hang of them when you can use those properly oh man they're fun same thing with his alt like using his alt properly and and like getting a kill or two with it and only for maybe like the third second or third guy to shoot you and have it not do anything at all and you just come back at 100% health like that's that's pretty great. Like they did a they did a really good job with the design of that character. Same with same with the new one that dropped with the beta on Tuesday rays. Like I haven't played her yet, but she her kit is really fun. Like it's called the boombot. Everyone has pretty much universally agreed to call it the Roomba, which I think is great cuz that's what it is. It's literally just an exploding Roomba. Cause it has, it has a laser that it, it moves by whenever it hit and it bounces off walls. Like it's an exploding Roomba and her ult is a little overpowered that, that big old rocket launcher, that thing's, that thing's a little overpowered for my taste, but it also, if you fire it from cover, it's going to expose you completely because it has insane recoil like to the point that it will blow you back out of cover. And if anyone else is is watching the angles you pop into, like you're gone because you don't have much of a reaction time to get your to get your weapon up. But it that thing hits like a ton of bricks. It is ridiculously powerful. And her uh, her uh, nesting doll grenades, like those things, those things are nasty. As far as some of the other characters, like Viper, is going to be. A necessity in pro play probably sage will be too like i could see a lot of teams running like sage viper sova and then two of the duelists or like viper brimstone sova and two of the duelists like it's gonna be like viper is going to be really necessary in pro play a lot of teams will probably run a whole lot of sage too because she is she is the healer but her abilities take so long to use like you have to be really careful with them like especially her alt like her her ult takes a long time to use like it is it is not like mercy's from overwatch where she can just pop in bring the guy back and it's basically instantaneous no it it takes time and that that could be a drawback to to some in pro play. So I don't know how much you're going to see of her in pro play, but Viper, just the fact that she can deny vision to massive areas in so many different ways cuz she's got her smokes, she's got the poison wall that also does damage and then her ult which is just like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to cover the entire bomb site in in toxic gas." Good luck. And walking through it will very rapidly drop you down to one health. You can't see, but I will know exactly where you are. Like, that's going to be... That's going to be so common in high levels of play. Like, when when that really starts to develop, probably after the game's release. Because there are probably certain players out there who are really good at Valorant. They just didn't get access to the beta. I mean, as... I think they're going to have drops active. Like, they've had drops active all week. I think that's going to continue through the weekend into next week. Like, they're going to keep having drops active, so... Probably eventually, like, at the end of the beta, most people who want to play it, who really want to play it, will probably have already played it if they keep doing drops through the... even the middle of next week. Like, I know they're going to keep it going for a little while longer. So as this keeps going, more and more people are going to end up playing the beta and eventually something resembling a, uh, a competitive and eventually professional scene will develop. And one of the other things that I just thought was so dumb, I didn't really know where to put this, but I'll I'll talk about it here since it's more directly related to Valorant. Why are the, why did the other LCS owners get so salty that Nadeshot was, going to be allowed to stream Valorant on, on day one. Like, sure, he's the owner of 100 Thieves. Yes, I get that. But he has also been a content creator for the past, like, 10 years. He is one of the OGs of North American esports. He may be an owner, but he's also a streamer. It's like, oh, he's going to be able to scout talent. Well, yeah, both of his roommates had access to the beta. He had access to the beta. He could still play. He just wasn't allowed to stream. What? Why were they getting so salty about this? What? Because they didn't? Yeah. Well, you're not streamers. Why would they give? Why would they give random like business people access? Because some of the LCS owners are just like suits, and Shot isn't. So why wasn't he allowed? I mean, he's streaming now. He's been streaming since since Wednesday. But still, why did he have to wait a day? It's like he's still going to be able to scout talent for 100 Thieves for Valorant content creation, a very likely Valorant pro team. Like, and anyone who had access to the beta who streams is probably going to stream. Like, you can find the talent, too. All you have to do is just hop on Twitch. It's not like you don't have to go into this completely blind. He already has an advantage over you since he knows how to play a lot of these games, which a lot of eSports owners nowadays probably don't. Like, I don't get it. I don't get why the uh why the other LCS owners were so salty he's a streamer too just just let him play it's not like he wasn't playing on day 1 anyway i i i don't get people and he just he just called them out big time on twitter when uh when he found out he couldn't stream on tuesday that was really funny that was that was actually really really funny but so far, I absolutely love this game. I can't wait to see a pro scene develop because it's like this game has already created a few really hype moments, like jet clutches with her alt. I've seen uh, entire team wipes with with Brimstone's alt just right at the start of the round. That's pretty great. And it's probably uh, very annoying to be on the other end of that. But at the same time. You kind of have to respect it because like if he does it on offense or if he's if a defender brimstone kills basically the entire team, you kind of have to respect that he guessed where you were going, dropped his alt down and took out basically your entire team. I like, think that's pretty great you you kind of have to respect that if it happened to me, I think I'd be very annoyed in the moment and then I'd just be like, you know what that was pretty legit. And if it was on my team, I'd just be laughing like an idiot. Like if the brimstone on my team pulled that off, I'd be laughing hysterically. Probably well into the next round. <laughs> and yeah, I overall, like as far as the mechanics go, the movement's super smooth. I love the gunplay. Once I get more used to aiming with a mouse and moving with uh, with WASD, because it's been a very long time since I've done that, and it's been a very long time and it it's been even longer since I've done it in a game that's more realistic like the last shooter I played with mouse and keyboard was team fortress 2 so it's uh it's definitely been a while since I've uh since I've played with mouse and keyboard but i like what they did their practice range one of the the shooting tests where they just spawn robots for you to for you to take out you get one every second for 30 seconds and they pop up all over the range that's so good for aim training like I have been I've been grinding that pretty hard and I'm probably going to continue to do so for the rest of the beta until I actually get comfortable aiming with a mouse and hopefully by the time the game comes out I will at least be decent because I'm not going to be a top tier player in this game I'm not a top tier player in any game I play like I don't play to that kind of level I never have like I just play I just play for fun, but I want to at least get to a point where I can play ranked and not hate myself. And I think I think I'll be able to get there because this game is just enough Overwatch to click with my brain in a way that Counter-Strike never did. And like the fact that there are multiple characters with personalities instead of just generic skins. Like I I really like that too. I know that's not directly related to gameplay, but the fact that the care, all the different agents have very distinct personalities makes it, makes it that much easier to jump into. And a lot of people complained about the art style. I actually love the art style. It looks, it looks fine to me. Like it sure. It's cartoony kind of, but So is League of Legends. So is Dota. Heck, so is Rainbow Six Siege. Like, Siege is kind of cartoony when you really think about it. When you really think about it, even Rainbow Six Siege is kind of cartoony. It's a video game. It's not supposed to be, like, super gritty and just down to earth. At least not multiplayer games. Like, first-person games where you're just telling a story, sure, you can have that. But in multiplayer games, have a little bit of fun. Like, have some fun with it. It's a video game. But I, overall, enjoyed enjoying the heck out of this beta. I love it so much. I was shocked I got access. But thank you, Riot, even though you were totally picking at random. Like, thanks, Riot. That was... uh and I mean that 100% sincerely when when normally I am very sarcastic, as are most people when they use the phrase, thanks, Riot. But yeah, they, they hit the ball out of the park on this one. And the game's not even totally finished yet. So when the real thing comes out and it's probably even more polished, like, this thing is going to climb the esports ranks very quickly. Like, it won't be long before... This one takes over because it's going to pull some people away from CSGO. It's going to it's gonna pull some people away from Overwatch. And then its own community is going to rise around it. Like, this thing is going to be... This thing is going to be big. And whatever their big international tournaments end up being called, they're probably going to be... They're probably going to go... They're probably going to blow CSGO majors out of the water. Because uh, I'm not a big CSGO guy, but... Anyone can plainly see that CS:GO is kind of the uh, the redheaded stepchild of Valve esports compared to Dota. Oh yeah, Ti Nine. We had the biggest we had the biggest prize pool in the history of esports, CS:GO major. Oh yeah, Gabe uh, Gabe skyped in for the opening ceremonies. He wasn't even there in person. Yeah, Valve doesn't care about CS:GO, and I don't even think having competition from Riot will uh, change the fact that they don't really care about CSGO and Dota is their their golden goose. And Riot's about to have two. (laughs) Because I don't see Riot abandoning League anytime soon in favor of Valorant. Like, that game has made them so much money over the past 10 years. It's the reason Valorant even exists. So I don't think... I don't think they're really going to abandon League anytime soon, and they will also treat Valorant like an equal because they now Riot as a company now holds the number one and number two all-time viewership records on Twitch. The Worlds from a few years ago, I don't remember the exact year, but had 1.74 million. At its peak so far, Valorant has had 1.7 million. That surpassed last summer's Fortnite World Cup. The King and the Queen, Yasuo and Jet. That's not an original joke, but I like it. So uh, it's definitely true. Like Riot is going to own Twitch over the next couple weeks because they have however long the rest of their Valorant beta is going to last. And all of the domestic League of Legends leagues are in or approaching their Spring Spit playoffs. And right after that, MSI and probably right around that same time, the real launch of Valorant. So, Riot's just going to Riot's just going to own Twitch for the next like 3 months. That's that's just how it's going to be. And then like when Valorant comes out, it's probably still going to do really well on Twitch. It probably won't do the same numbers where people are hoping for drops, but it's definitely going to do numbers on Twitch because all the big streamers love it they're going to play it and it's still going to draw eyeballs. It'll probably go back to their more normal numbers. Like as a, at at my last check summit has 26,000 people watching him right now out of the 1.2 million people watching Valorant. So yeah, he's, he's not going to be able to sustain those numbers. Tim, the tap man's not going to be able to sustain the, the 20 K he's had for most of the past couple days, but they're still going to do numbers playing Valorant. They just are because it's a good game that people really like. And even the people who don't get drops, they're still sticking around because they want to play it. And as they watch more and more, they're either going to get really jealous and get burned or just going to learn to really enjoy the game and get hyped for it when it comes out for real. And they can just play it for free with everyone else because that's what I was going to be if I if I didn't get access like I'd still be I still I wouldn't have been playing the past couple of days, but I would have been watching a lot of streams, hoping for a drop and then watching any YouTube videos that come out like of the streamers I didn't watch. Of course I would, because I'm really hyped for this game, even if I even if I wasn't already playing it, because the version I'm playing isn't the finished game. and. Riot has said two more agents and a fourth map are gonna come to the full game. They may come out before the beta is over. I don't know if that. I don't know about that one. I haven't heard anything about that. But Riot has officially said the for, the initial release of the game is gonna have twelve agents and four maps, which is good because the less I have to play split, the better. And having a fourth map will uh, make that more likely. Because split is terrible. Bind and Haven are both great. Because Bind has the teleporters, which makes things really fun, and Haven has three sites to attack, which requires some extra creativity on offense and makes you really think on your feet on defense. That's a great combination. That's a really fun and it's a really fun map. I've had several really fun games on that map. I've had really fun games on uh, on Bind too, but. I think I've actually had more fun on Haven and I've played better on Bind. It's a weird combination and I just hate Split. Split can suck it. That map is terrible. But whenever whenever the esports scene really kicks off for this game, I think it'll be sometime like early next year. Like January or February, you'll probably get your first uh, big international tournament, whether it's organized by Riot or... By the community with third-party help, I don't know, but whatever it's gonna be, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be glued to the screen watching it because it's gonna be so good. But that's it for Valorant. Gonna take one last quick break and wrap up the show with the trickle of traditional sports news that has come out since the last show. But that's up next here on the Mashup. All right, one final segment here on the mashup, and it feels weird just kind of shoving whatever traditional sports news there is at the very end of the show, but I mean, it's kind of what I have to do, because there's not much there to talk about, so I just throw it all together at the end of the show. But there was actually a lot in the past couple days that's that's worth talking about. You have the NBA and ESPN horse competition that just got announced, and Let's look at the field for this. First round, Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups, Tamika Catchings versus Mike Conley, Zach Levine versus Paul Pierce, and Chris Paul versus Allie Quigley. Let's be real here. These other matchups are going to be fun because it's professional basketball players or recently retired professional players playing horse with each other. Good. Good, good, good. That's fine. But let's be real here. Everyone wants Trey Young versus Zach Levine, the guy who can dunk like it's nobody's business versus the guy who can hit shots from the logo like it's nothing. So, yeah, that's the matchup I want in the finals. And the bracket is set up perfectly. They will not meet until the finals if they meet at all. So, yeah, good job on whoever made this bracket. It's clear what you actually want. And I'm glad because that looks like a lot of fun. And hey, it's some form of basketball content. It's not the NBA playoffs. It's not March Madness, but it's something. And it's better than the players playing 2K with god-awful commentary because, oh boy, that was rough. That was really rough. I I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Just, just let the commentary in-game do its thing with, with Kevin Harlan and, like, Kevin Harlan's the commentator in-game. Just let him do his thing. <laughs> Let the pre-recorded version of Kevin Harlan do what he does. Like, you'd get better commentary that way. Anyway, that that's that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Trey Young Zach Levine's your final, and that's gonna be ridiculously fun. And since Horst has very clearly defined rules rather than judges, no one's getting robbed. Either. No one's getting robbed. It's like either you win or you don't good 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 i like this and i'm i'm probably going to watch it i think i think i will enjoy this i mean sure it's not the real thing but you know hey it's something <laughs> and they're spreading it out over a couple days the the uh the first the first two rounds are sunday night and then the finals not until thursday what else do you have to show? <laughs> what else do you really have to show? I mean, the N- the NFL draft is next week, but... What else do you have to show over the next week that you couldn't just do it on Monday? It's not like the Masters is happening. I don't know. I, I don't get ESPN's decision on that one, but I guess they want... Uh... They want that content and they want to they milk this for as much as it's worth, which makes sense, but at least they're coming up with ideas to do something. It's way better than baseball's idea to come back because, let's be honest, that's just a logistical nightmare. It'd be better to just wait a couple extra weeks and play in everyone's home ballpark than try to get everyone to Arizona and keep them away from their families for four months. Heck no. Don't do that. That's that's a bad, bad, bad idea. But the machine who never stops, the NFL. Oh boy, the NFL. We saw two New Jersey reveals this week. One was really good. One was really, really, really bad. The really good one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got rid of those incredibly ugly digital clock numbers that they had, I think, since the Nike switch happened, which has been years now. It's been like six or seven years since I think it was the 2013 season, the 2012, 2013 season we switched to Nike. So it's been almost eight years since the Nike Jersey switch took place. It's been a long time and they have had those ugly jerseys this entire time the new designs are great that like really dark gray that looks that is basically black but it's it's a lighter shade it's weird to explain but i love it It, like smoky gray good look for the buccaneers and they're all of their jerseys are really good part of me wanted creamsicle to come back but they i'm glad they didn't this is a much much better look for them their reds are really good that is a, a shade of red I really like. The other team to get new jerseys was the Atlanta Falcons. And oh my god, these things suck. They are hideous. Gradients are not good for football jerseys. That red to black gradient does not work. Like I love gradient designs. I have a few shirts. With gradient patterns on them. And I really like them. They're good shirts. But those are just regular shirts that I just wear on a normal day. They are not athletic jerseys. And athletic jerseys should never have a gradient. Especially with, uh, at least with dark colors. Some basketball jerseys can pull it off if the colors are just right. But very few teams in any professional sport has the color palette to truly do a good gradient jersey design. Very few professional sports teams have the right color scheme to pull that off because not many colors work well that way for colors for sports teams. I don't know what they were thinking, but then again, this is the same guy who pumps artificial crowd noise into an absolutely massive stadium because fans don't show up. And last year it was, they weren't pumping fake crowd noise, but no one showed up because the team was just so awful. God, the Falcons are a mess. No one's going to buy those jerseys. They look hideous. Like that, that red one, that, that red to black gradient is terrible. That is so bad. Like, Texas Tech had that as an alternate a couple years ago, and it was bad then. Oh, I don't know what they were thinking with that design. I don't know what they were thinking at all. It looked... And I've seen people on Twitter making edits, trying to make them look cooler. They still don't look good. They they don't look good at all. I don't care what anyone says. Like, what the heck were they thinking? Hopefully, they, they go back to their old designs before, because the old Falcons uniforms... Top tier. I mean, look, I'm a sucker for black, red, and white. It's been my my go-to color setup for a very long time, since middle school. But this just did not click. This did not work. I feel bad for the players that have to wear that, because I think they all know it looks absolutely awful. Ugh. Just stick with what you got. You had one of the best. No reason to change it. And there's a team who needs to make a change. The Houston Texans. I mean, they, I will stand by the fact that they should have fired Bill O'Brien at halftime of the game against the Chiefs. Because he just keep make keeps making dumb decision after dumb decision. Now he traded for Brandon Cooks as a replacement for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, yeah. You didn't need to trade DeAndre Hopkins to do that. You could have traded for Brandon Cooks and kept DeAndre Hopkins on the team. Oh, man. They really need to fire him before he completely destroys that team. Because, sure, there have been rumors about the uh, the physical failing and or the physical just not happening, so the trade is not technically official yet. So... Hopkins could go back to Houston. If I were him, I wouldn't want to go back to Houston. At all. The guy compared him to Aaron Hernandez. Why would you want to go back to that? But, you know. What what do I know? I'm I'm just a guy who yells into a microphone and people listen to it for some reason. But <laughs> The Texans really should have fired Bill O'Brien back in January. Even if they didn't do it ha- at halftime, they should have fired him the second that game was over. Like, they shouldn't have let him go back to Houston with the team. They should have. They should have Lane Kiffin him. They should have one hundred percent Lane Kiffin him. Just fired him in Kansas City and said, "Find your own way back to Houston." Which is incredibly cruel, but at the same time, it would have fit considering the lead he blew with his stupid play calling against the eventual Super Bowl champions. And now, he's going to completely ruin this team because he traded their best wide receiver, who is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL, for pennies on the dollar. Like, He was a terrible head coach. What made them think he would be a good GM? The Houston Texans would be a Super Bowl contender without him. An easy Super Bowl contender if he wasn't in charge. But they keep him around and he's going to ruin that team. But hey, there was some good news today from Adam Schefter. Oh, Shefty, thank you for dropping this. He said, all around college College athletics, all of the ADs are adamant that there is going to be a foot, a college football season this year. They don't know what it's going to look like if it's going to start on time, but they are adamant that there will be college football this year. And thank God, because that means there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that means that they're going to have to get back on campus and start practicing within the next like month and a half. To be ready in time for something resembling a college football season. Like they'll need to be back on campus and practicing by the middle of June. Like if you can't get back by the middle of June, they, they won't have time to get ready for football season unless they push it back to start in late September and you can get to practice in July. And even then, you're cutting it close. You're cutting it real close. But I'm choosing to look on the positive side of this. And Adam Schefter, one of the most trusted sources in the world for football news, is saying we are going to have college football. Then we're going to have college football. I don't know if the NBA and the NHL are coming back, but that means we're probably going to get something resembling a baseball season, too. So everyone, keep your heads up. We're getting through this. Because, sure, confirmed cases may have spiked again today and highest death toll in the country so far. But we are going to get through this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and we will have sports again. And when they come back, oh boy, are we all going to be ready. But thanks for listening to the show everyone i hope you all enjoy your weekends for those who have access to the valorant beta i hope you enjoy that for those who don't i hope you enjoy whatever you're going to play and or watch this weekend but that is it for today and i will talk to you guys on tuesday see you then